0: All right, so we have been working through...
1: Yep. Oh.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Psalm 23. 23. The and Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me to still waters. He restoreth my soul. He... Leads me on paths of righteousness for his, his name's sake, sake. The light.
0: And here we, walk we go because the valley
1: of the shadow of death, his staff, and his rod. You're close, dragon.
0: but you're skipping a couple of spots. So let's all turn to Psalm number 23.
1: That was pretty good.
0: That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Maybe it's sticking. Nope. <laughs> Psalm 23, we're going to read it all together.
1: The first is my chapter.
0: It's not bad to learn by music, but I, it's actually great, but I just don't know it by music. So let's read it. Ready?
1: The Lord, the Lord
0: is my shepherd. shepherd, I shall not want. He, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. pastures. He, he leadeth me beside, beside the still waters. waters. He, he restoreth my soul. He, he leadeth me in the path paths of righteousness for his, his name's, name's yea, sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil,
1: for thou Thou art with with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, thou preparest
0: a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord
1: forever, all right, whoa, can I put the emphasis on ever?
0: That's right. So, yay, yay. yay. (laughs) Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's our line tonight we're going to talk about, and we don't have too many more lines uh, this year. There are three, only three more, I believe, three more classes for the year after this. What? Because it's November.
1: Oh, and then it's Christmas, an old-fashioned Christmas, oh, and tree yeah. decorating and all that. A busy. And we have season.
0: one more that's going to be a communion before we're all done. Right. Okay. Uh, so we have three more, so we'll be splitting it up into three.
1: What? And Jesus. a year it sounds weird, but it's just until January because January. Is January it's
0: but it's the year. Week? Next week is the next part of the verse.
1: And then the week after is the next.
0: The next, part the verse. next
1: verse. Okay, and, and then. then
0: there's one more, I believe, and yes. then we'll wrap it up for the year. So, we are going to not talk about mathematics, we're going talk about science. Mm-hmm. The um, very first one. I, I have a
1: really good grade in science, though. The very... I have grades in all my classes, but I just
0: don't right. Anybody know about windward? Oh a windward and leeward.
1: No. Oh. oh so I leeward, I've yeah. heard of windward.
0: Okay windward and leeward describe weather patterns excuse me that happen over a mountain that is an exaggerated mountain and that is a very steep mountain right there okay here's the idea from this area we'll say the wind comes in okay wind comes in pushes along that that wind What does wind do to water on the ground?
1: It makes
0: waves waves and it It evaporates evaporates it, right? So on this side, you get dry. Dry. I gotta get some more And on the other side, (laughs)
1: that one works.
0: Okay, on this side, you get dry. (coughs) And it rolls up the mountain and creates a strange pattern. And from that strange pattern you get clouds and rain rain at the top of the mountain. The windward side pushes in, the moisture drives up the mountain and stays on the upper parts of the mountain and drops out when it reaches the cold up here.
1: So kind of like in the uh... Like in the mantle remember. and the I can't remember what they're called, but they're the air
0: currents. Air currents and where in the mantle? The
1: mantle, like there's the core.
0: Of the core. Oh, the current. it's currents of yeah.
1: Current the uh, convection currents.
0: Convection. Yes. So it does. It creates like it creates currents through pushes air up in here rains on the top so most mm-hmm. of your precipitation is on the top and then out of the bottom essentially runs. A warm, dry wind on the leeward side of the mountain. Okay, warm and dry. It is also called a... chinook wind. Oh. Okay. I That's that said dry. Warm and dry. So over here, you dry it up with the wind. Over here, it's warm and dry because there's no water left. So this is dry. No. So, dry on one side of the mountain, dry on the other side of the mountain. If you look at the at the United States <clears throat> There it is. it is oh, yeah,
1: Florida?
0: Oh, there you go, there you go, Florida. Oh Texas. <clears throat> <Tight. laughs> that is precisely drawn and I will precisely place the mountains which are, do you know what those are? Rockies. Rockies. Those are the Rockies. Those are the big guys, okay? And they go all the way up through Canada quite a ways. The Rocky Mountains, if you look at the tip top of the big famous Rocky Mountains, whether they be the Grand Tetons or other mountains up through there, there is what? On them? Snow. Snow on them. Why is there snow on them? Because, because
1: it's so cold. It's so high in the air. And then it's a higher gold color again. And because cold. of all the rain.
0: Because all the precipitation happens up there, cold. right?
1: freezes.
0: Now this could be on a high mountain. This could be snow that goes down and the snow just sits up there, okay? And what happens to the snow peaks on those high mountains in the summertime?
1: They don't melt because it's so cold up there
0: not all the way up to the top they don't melt, but lots of them do
1: oh yeah and so
0: almost all the rivers out west
1: come come from the mountains
0: and they feed out through all the way down to missouri okay basically okay this is a very generalized thing and they feed out through all the way down to colorado and other rivers Colorado's here. <laughs> what is it? Can't think of it. It's terrible. Which one
1: is it? Columbia. Sorry, that's near Washington.
0: Columbia River Gorge. Right? Yep. Between uh, oh, so that's Washington It's
1: a and... tail. Yep.
0: So, there's something called the Continental Divide up here, and it divides the continent, and all the water on this top runs this way, and all the water this way runs that way. And there's actually places in rivers where you can watch current run two ways. Whoa. Continental divide. Okay? Uh, it's fascinating, but gravity does its that's thing, it right? Yeah, because that's
1: where the mountain is. Gravity, does. right? The the force of around.
0: gravity. So the idea is this. You've now created dry on both sides, which is our west. Our west. You guys have been out west recently. How would you describe where, your cousin, we visited your cousin? Uh, which cousin? Uh, any of them. <laughs> is it
1: uh, hot, hot? Like, oh. There's...
0: And is it all green?
1: No. When
0: you drove out in the, when we drove for miles and miles, was it like big beautiful green things?
1: One spot was like <laughs> wet and then, it, and then it was hot.
0: And that was uh, in one spot it was wet. And what was the rest of the other 2,500 miles we drove? Hot huh? and a little bit of something grows there, but as sagebrush, okay. And sagebrush grows in the desert because nothing else does grow in the desert. That in particular and that's what it is Is broken off sagebrush is a tumbleweed basically, and it dries up because they are on this side of the mountain now if you go to our midwest they are much drier as well now there's other weather patterns that happen to to give things moisture here but in general uh most of the moisture in the west sits right on the edges of these mountains and feeds out on the rivers okay and that's where the moisture is so right around the mountains it's green the further you get out into the valleys away from the mountains it tends to dry out on both sides it's good in the springtime because all that nice fresh snow melts and it does melt even though it's cold up there it melts and it recedes the caps recede up and up and up and up until you have just what's left on the top some mountains totally melt off other ones have a cap because it's so high but they'll melt and melt and melt and feed those lands in the springtime And then it gets hot and dry because we were in Boise, Idaho, it was a hundred degrees almost every day there and it was dry, hot and dry and so if they wanted to plant crops, they made these canals and they ran water from the rivers and it's the only way they can plant crops is they just flood the fields with everything they can from the rivers. So, with all that said, if I had sheep and I don't have a way to plant huge grassy fields and run water, where do I go? In the springtime, I'm okay, right? Because there's probably a lot of green. If I live down in the valley, here somewhere, I'm okay. Then where do I go? I go to the mountains in the summertime. And that is true of almost every sheep culture in the world where they are dry, a drier climate. So in the Middle East, where they, in the Bible times, and even today, when they watch their sheep, why were the shepherds? They were up in the hills, right? Because the shepherds, as the summer passes on and things dry out in the lower places, they go higher and higher and higher to find their sheep. Now, when you have to find their sheep green pastures, when you go higher and higher, or you pass from mountain to mountain, what do you get? Cold? Cold? Could be. <laughs> you could be. Oh,
1: snow.
0: snow, you could be.
1: Wind. When you go. Wind. Mountain. Wind you get tired? Oh, like like weird pressure. Two. You oh, my ears pop! Short of breath. Mm-hmm. Well, you could
0: get short of breath, yes.
1: My ears
0: pop. <laughs> mountain to mountain, right? Well, there's deep valleys. Oh, there's a valley! Yeah, that's what you want. Between... <laughs> 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 because... You come up here with your sheep and you're picking, there's a little green grass here and a little green grass here, and you're kind of up and wandering around, and eventually they eat it down. And you look, there's another mountain. Well, you got to get there, right? Can't jump. Might be 30 miles to that next mountain. (laughs) It might be 25 miles. And you've got to take your entire flock and go, and you're going to... This pathway down through the valley, and then you're gonna work your way up on these switchbacks until you get that nice green grass again.
1: Okay?
0: The idea is this: there is always going to be movement between the green spots. And the only way you go from green spot to green spot is going through a valley. Now, years ago when I went to Montana. I went to a place called, I believe, Morey Falls, Morey or Morey, I believe it was Morey Falls, okay? It was not a place you could see from the road. It was a place where we walked and hiked down into a valley and up to the side of this mountain where the waterfalls came off. Uh, we walked, it seemed like for hours we walked. I think probably two or three hours we hiked down into this valley, woods and trees and things, and we got down into the valley, down into the valley. Now it was a hot day. we walked. It was in July when we walked down there. And when we got down into the valley, even though it was low, there was snow all over the place. Three-foot banks here, four or five-foot banks there. As you walk down, you could feel it get colder. So yes, you do get cold Down into the valley, colder and colder and colder, and snow laying all over in these places until we finally, in the middle of July, we finally came up and it was like, you walked out and there was a clearing and this huge waterfall, and it just was a thundering kind of waterfall. Spray and spritz everywhere. I remember it in my mind uh, like that and thinking wow This is amazing and you couldn't get there without walking through that valley There was no shortcut. It was miles that we walked to see this wonder And we had to go through that valley with a cold snow now why in the valley is there snow in July?
1: Because the snow fell in the winter when there wasn't leaves, and then when the leaves came, they trapped all of the coldness down there, like a thermos.
0: Um, you would be right, except for they're all evergreen trees.
1: Well, evergreen trees stay healthy in the winter, so... They
0: sure do. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's some reason why the snow stays in July. Big, huge chunks of snow.
1: Because the ground is frozen.
0: The ground is cold. Why is the ground cold?
1: Because, actually, that doesn't make sense. The sun is blocked by the
0: mountains. The sun is blocked by the mountains. So, you have that huge, hot sun, and it rolls up, and if the valley is this deep, you get all this morning sun and it's sun and, sun and sun and sun and sun and sun and sun and but and you get sun and sun and sun and I get like an hour or two of sun and then as it changes it's so you really in that deepest part of the valley you don't get much sun you don't get hardly any direct rays two or three hours every day and i recall walking through the woods not because it was just trees but because the sun didn't have a lot of direct rays it was light outside i mean it was a daytime we were in there in the day and it was dark in those woods you know how you can go in there's lots of shade and it kind of gets dark this whole trail was pretty dark as we walked all the way down through it piles of snow all the way down then all of a sudden we got to that place On the face of that mountain where that nice beautiful waterfalls was it made me think there are places where the sunshine just doesn't shine a lot there are times in your life where it doesn't always feel like the Sun is shining Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Okay, this is what the one of the big things to learn is about. When there's no sun in the valley, it leaves it cold and leaves it dark. And it just feels kind of eerie. Or lonely. Have you ever walked out in total darkness at night alone? Yeah. <laughs> Feels different, doesn't it, when you're out alone? When you're absolutely out in the dark and there's no one else around you. Now, probably you haven't spent that much time outside alone without somebody else near you, but when you do, and it's just you, it feels very different. To feel alone is something that can be scary, frightening. Another trip that I took to Montana, I went and I stayed by myself in my car, slept in my car, and every day I would go and I was going to horseshoeing school in Montana. I was totally alone at night. I would get out and drive to one of these remote campsites because it was free. And there was a place I could, there were several different places I stayed, sometimes out on a riverbank, and for miles there was nobody. I'd drive sometimes 30, 40 miles to get out to a place where it was free, or 20 miles away from where I was, back on these back roads. I drove in places where there was bison standing right near the car where I parked it. Yes, there they were. I was pretty alone. And being alone is a very different feeling. When you're alone, You kind of have this, you get this feeling that if somebody came and got me or there was, or an animal came and got me, maybe no one would even find out for a long time. Or maybe nobody would even know where I was. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have anything like that. I was just out there. Way out there. Cell phones didn't even hardly exist at that point. So, just out in the wilderness, hundreds of miles away from anybody I knew, all by myself. And there were times where that felt lonely. Now, there were times I did that on purpose to have some good thinking time in my life. Um, But there were times where it felt very much alone. Loneliness can be tough. And when you're walking this life, that's part of a valley that you walk through. Sometimes valleys are long and deep and they take a long time to get through. In your life, when you feel those things that are hard, those struggles and those things that come up in your life and you say, why is my life like this? Why can't I get over this struggle? Why can't my life just be easier? You may be walking through a valley. Now here's the thing. When you feel alone in that valley, you might get actually where you are very desperate. You might feel like You are so close that you're almost ready to die. Alright? That's what David felt like. That's what he described. Now, David spent years of his life alone with the sheep. Nobody knew exactly where he was. He would take the whole flock by himself, take them up in the hill somewhere. There were lions, there were bears there were wild animals and he was constantly alone so one of the things he did was learn music and another thing he did and this is what you can choose to do not everybody does when you are alone and feel alone you can choose to reach out to god at that point it's just you and him Some people don't choose that. Some people say, well, I'm gonna fill my life with distractions and noise, and I'll make sure people are always around me. But I think there's great value in spending some alone time with God. Sometimes it's a season in your life. It should be a little bit of alone time every day with God. Okay? But sometimes you spend a little more in seasons in your life where you just need to have it out with them, need to discuss things with them, need to cry about things, need to get frustrated about things and talk to them about it and say, I don't know why this is happening to me. Why can't I have this like other people have? Or why does this keep happening to me? Why does no one care about me? Why duh, am I always alone? Why was I made this way? Those kinds of questions, God's good at answering those. He may teach you during those times of being alone. But there, sometimes those times of being alone can get a little more scary than that. All right? There will be times in your life, even if you surround yourself with people, where you will feel totally alone. And there are things you have to do alone in your life there are things that only you can do. If you want, you guys all do some sort of instrument, right? Something. Can I practice your instrument for you?
1: Mm, I don't want you to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but what if I practice for you? That doesn't that work for you? Mm. No. Because I can't play noise
1: that. But
0: if I can't practice my instrument for you, then if you are going to develop that skill, you have to do it. Not me. I can't do it for you. It's no different with your relationship with God, if you're going to learn, if you're going to have faith, no one else can practice that for you. It is you and you alone. So you will have times when you have to do things alone. If If you're gonna do well at something, you have to do it alone. So your growth and your struggles and your strengths will only come through when you personally spend the time at it. Otherwise, you're not gonna do well when it comes time to really perform. If you're weak in your faith, the only way to do it is go through a valley and grow. And a valley means it's stretching you someplace. It's uncomfortable. It's cold and dark. Feels kind of eerie and different. I've not been here before. It's not like the nice warm sunshine on my face. It's like, I don't really wanna be in this place. But the only way to get to the other mountain is to cross into the valley. So there are examples in life that bring you to a place where you will be alone. Now, Joshua 1.9, this is what we're gonna turn to. We're gonna read, please.
1: that in the New
0: Testament or the Old Testament? Joshua is in the Old Testament before Psalms.
1: Oh, it's after
0: Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy Joshua. Joshua 1-9. 1-9. Okay. This is a time when Joshua felt scared. Didn't want to do anything. Didn't think he was the man for the job. And God says, I've got a big job for you. Here's what you should do. Joshua 1, Ryan, please read that.
1: Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest.
0: Okay, so, (coughs) what is... First of all, he says, do what? Do what? Mm -hmm. Be... Strong.
1: Strong.
0: The Lord and the strong. Okay, and be of, good of a courage. good courage. We
1: talked about this.
0: Courage.
1: I don't know when it was, but be strong and of a good courage. We talked
0: about. We it. have talked about being strong and of a good courage. That's what you're supposed to do. Be strong and of a good courage. And how are you going to do it? Well, be strong. be strong. Yes. What is now? Here's another piece of things we've learned in the past. What is the definition of faith?
1: Oh like a belief.
0: Belief in what?
1: God.
0: In God's what?
1: Power. Uh
0: Will. A little more specific. Love. No.
1: Um fantasticness.
0: Well, I'm looking for one other word. Belief in God's Love. Um, just like
1: what's the first letter? Life. Um just God. Protection. Power, prayer, pro, promise. promise. I gonna say providence.
0: <laughs> Belief in God's promises. That is the definition of faith. Yeah. So God says, have faith and you'll be saved. Okay? So having faith isn't like I can go to the shelf and buy it. Okay? i go to the store and say, I want my faith for $100. Okay? Or a million dollars. I can't buy faith. But what it is, is belief. It's trusting that God will do what He says. So, what is God's promise in the verse we just read?
1: The Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go.
0: Okay? Ever. If.
1: Whithersoever.
0: Be strong and have good courage. If
1: you have good courage and you go somewhere that you need to go, even though it's scary, God will be with you.
0: Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. What does being dismayed mean? Whoa. disappointment. So um. Like, sort of. ca- uh, that was very dismayed. Stressed out, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Stressed out. So don't be afraid. Don't be stressed out. Because... God is with you. I will be with you. Where? When it feels like it?
1: No. All the time. Anywhere. Wherever
0: you go. So if you are on a mountaintop, hooray! Sunshine is nice. I don't have a yellow marker, but hey, sunshine's on you. Nice. Wonderful! And then God's with me, because I feel like it, right? But that's not what God's promise says. Now I'm in the deepest, darkest part of the valley here, and I feel all alone, and I'm very little. I feel littler than that. That's how little I feel, <laughs> right? In that deep, dark valley, I feel really little, and really alone, and the world seems really big to me, and I don't feel like God's with me, because my circumstances aren't going right, My life isn't just how I thought it should be. My people maybe not don't like me. Things happened around me that shouldn't have happened to me. It seems like things are bad that shouldn't happen. So here I am, and I don't feel like God's with me. I don't feel like the sun's shining on me. Like God, that big, beautiful sunshine, you're not with me.
1: That's not true.
0: But that's not faith, is it? Because what does faith say?
1: Believe in his promise. And his
0: promise is?
1: Whithersoever you go, I'll be
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. Wherever you are, even in the darkest valley, when you feel the most like he's not there. That's his promise. That's important. And let me tell you, my experience with God is this. I tend to be a person... I have emotions there I am and there have been many times where I've felt alone and it's a feeling I can be standing in a big crowded room with hundreds of people and feel alone because I feel like nobody's on my side when I was a teenager I felt like this a lot Like, even sometimes if I was gone, nobody would even care. Was it really true? No, but I felt like that. My emotions went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. All over the place. Feel great. Because whatever worked all right and I had a great breakfast or whatever. I don't know. And then, one day, feel terrible. Feel alone. What a relationship with God teaches you, instead of being on a roller coaster, right? Go up to the peak of the roller coaster and I drop and I go all around. Hello. That's my emotions, right?
1: Levi's an emotional roller
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I feel. But God says, "I'm not changing." I will be here in any circumstance. You can trust just as much when everything seems like it's gonna fall around you apart, when everything is dark around you, you can still trust me, I'm there. It is learning to take out a lot of the peaks and valleys and learning to run a more steady line. And as I get older, I find that I don't love roller coasters as much as I once did. They make me sick. (laughs) They make me want to puke. Alright? Nice, smooth rides. I'm all about smooth rides. That's great. They're fantastic, okay? In your life, you want to get to the place where you want your emotions, the way you feel about things, is irregardless of the way people treat you. You learn to trust in God. Though you walk in a valley, something where somebody's picking on you incessantly at school, somebody at a job someday, you'll have struggles and trials. You may have a boss who is on you about things. I've had bosses that were like that. They were constantly on me about, and I couldn't do anything right no matter what I did. I could have been the best employee ever, and it wouldn't have mattered. They were on me. And what I learned during those times was not to depend on the way I felt, but to depend on, God, you're with me. All right? And that takes out the peaks and the valleys. And there were times where I was stressed out, From things that I did myself or things that other people did to me. And I learned to let them go. And things were intense at times. I had a a gentleman that didn't like the way I did things at one of my jobs. And so he wrote a letter to my boss's boss's boss about how terrible I was. Sent it to him. And I could have spent time worrying about that and wondering what was going to happen and getting angry at him. And really, I felt sorry for him. And I learned, had learned at that point to trust more in God and say, well, God, whatever it is, even if for some reason my boss believes the stuff that wasn't even true in the letter, if he believes it, then I guess you have another plan for me. That's learning to not go up and down in your emotions, to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. And that's in life. And you will have all kinds of things where people say things and do things to you in your your relationship that you've practiced in your faith and believing, yep, God says he's with me, he's with me, I trust him. You practice that faith, and you practice that faith initially all on your own. You work on that and say, I'm going to trust God through this thing. It doesn't look like there's any good way out, but I'm going to trust God. When I trusted him with that letter that they sent to my boss's boss's boss, that man, the boss's boss's boss, came personally to me and said, I heard what you've been doing. You know, and he said, "You know, so and so wrote a letter to me, all about all this stuff." I said, "Okay." And he said, "If he ever says another word about you again, I'm gonna fire him." I'm like, well, I don't think you really need to do that. <laughs> I think God's got this all under control, all right? But I didn't say a word. I just let it go let God take care of it, and learned to say, you got it, God. Don't spend your time fretting and struggling about what could happen. And sometimes I need to learn this lesson on my own again, in different ways, in different parts of my life, and learn just to say, God's got this. But there is a time coming for all of us. Because it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is another time where you are very alone. They can be with you. Your family could be right next to you the moment you die. But on the other side of closing your eyes and that soul leaving, it's you. You have to be ready with God. You have to be right with God. I don't care if you die when you're five years old or 105 years old. It is about your relationship with God. So that's why it is worth it to get it right. Do you believe when Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you? That's another one of God's promises. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you. You have to trust that as you cross to the other side, he's going to keep that promise good. He's going to come and get you. As you think about that, as you think about what could happen on the other side, it's unknown. And there ain't nobody coming back to tell you about it you're just crossing. Death is an extremely alone thing. It's only you. And it's all about your faith. I will die someday. Could be tomorrow. Could be in 50 years. But I will die someday and it is about my faith if I cross over. If I believe and say God I'm going over to be with you. You're gonna have to take me through this one too. And sometimes he brings you close to death. And when you get nearer to death and you start to think about death, you get an interesting perspective because most things melt away. Another time when I was in Montana, we took a boat ride. Let me tell you about the boat ride. It involved water, like most boat rides do. That's <laughs> so crazy. My cousin and I and my uncle and grandfather and other cousin were all on a river. We were on the Smith River and that year, unlike any other year, it had rained and rained and rained in Montana. It had more rain than it had in a hundred years in Montana that year. So everything was green, the rivers were raging. We went on a nice ride. For four days, on a river, or on a yeah, on a the Smith River.
1: Was it like, like? Did you stay on the boat?
0: No, we camped at a campsite, and they were only you just had to stop at the campsite, mm-hmm. and you get out. You bring everything. There was a toilet, and by a toilet I mean a pipe this big in the ground with a toilet seat on top. That's it. That's a toilet. I'm not even talking house around it. There it was. Oh, no. <laughs> so, one of them most you couldn't see them from the campsite. You had to walk a little trail and you were either up on a mountain. I mean, that was like, you were out there, man. It was fun. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I I remember this, we were on day number 3. My cousin and I were in a canoe, an aluminum canoe.
1: Aluminum?
0: Aluminum. And my uncle and grandfather were in a big rubber raft, okay? So they were in a raft, and they were behind us. And my cousin and I were in this
1: canoe.
0: Yes. It was shaped like that, not pointed at both ends, just it was made to have a motor on the other end, but it did not have. <laughs> so uh, we were in the canoe, and we would had gone on this river, and we came on a stretch of the river, like this, and it was very choppy, big, long, choppy waves. You could watch them, because there were lots of rocks underneath them and the waves were about the length of the canoe apart. Every peak. And they were like a standing wave. They just kept, they didn't move, they just kept going back and forth like this. It was a strange thing. The river was really flowing through there, but the way the rocks were underneath just kept doing this. So we went over these waves. Each wave as we went over the top of the wave, the canoe went Up and over and down in and as we went down in water came up and over I was in the front up and over my shoulders each time we went over there was probably 20 or third of these 30 of these huge waves maybe maybe more this whole section so as we went along more water went over, and more water, and more water, and more water. And I'm not talking like a gallon. I'm talking 20 or 30 gallons every time we hit in there. So by the time we went through 20 waves, the canoe was filled this much with water. It's only this high, okay? (laughs) So this much with water is a lot of weight. So you were sinking a little bit in there. We weren't sinking, we were still upright. We kept the canoe upright. And we honestly had learned a lot in the last three days, floating on the river, going through some rapids, doing some things. We'd learned how to, we'd heard, learned how to land the canoe up against the side of a cliff. And I'm talking some of these cliffs were 100 feet tall, just sheer rock, one side of the river. So we planned, the river came to a big bend and across from the river around the bend just a whale, that was our campsite so we were right there now i had a poncho on because it had started to rain big raindrops one of those just big plastic sheet things that fold over front and back it's great to keep the rain off it is not good in the story later although maybe it is So there was, this was all rock wall, all the way here. 100 feet high, there was nothing to hang on to, but there was a little tiny rock ledge that we could get off on, on this corner, just before we made the canoe, made the corner here. We took the thing and we said, we're gonna land against that river, even though the water's flowing right up against the rock, and we did it. We landed up against the rock, we both climbed out into the rock, we pulled the canoe and dumped it and cleaned it all out, all the water. And then we were just going to shoot over, down, and get to the campsite. There was a big rock here, big rock, right in the center of the river, six, eight feet tall above the river, maybe more. All the water rushed around the backside and it the current was, I mean it was just rolling through there, almost white as it was going through hard current so we went and we said all we got to do is paddle with all our might we get around there this was nice and calm this side of the river and there we will be at the campsite We'll be there in five minutes we got around there we got the nose of the canoe and we had really done quite a lot our nose of our canoe got to there and underneath this was a log underneath the water can't cross log in the water so we paddled, paddled, and paddled with all our might and we came to a moment where we realized there's nothing we can do. It sucked us backwards around this current, flipped us over, and we floated in the river in this rushing current. But it had been rushing around for so many years that it actually created the current came out and it hit a rock wall and it kind of curled back and it would run along the wall and then it would, it created what's called an eddy. So it made a long oval kind of circle of a current because the water just kept feeding it and feeding it. So it kind of made a side current here. The main current ran by this, this eddy was so powerful that it over the years had caught Five feet deep out of the whole rock wall. So there was 90 feet above us of rock right over our heads. And the water had cut that under the rock. So we went and it took us and it slammed us into this rock wall with the canoe. I was in front, I was hanging floating in the water, and my cousin was floating behind. We were holding on to the rails that were crossed, and the canoe was upside down. And it slammed us into the front into that rock and it slammed hard i mean this river was rushing so hard you couldn't swim against the current there was no power enough that you a motor boat couldn't have probably got out of this i mean it was just powerful it slammed so hard against that thing and i put my legs out to try to slow down after the first time that it hit it hit so hard that the aluminum canoe twisted and popped rivets out of an entire rib that held it together. It tore the rivets out of it, twisted the whole canoe. I mean, it was scary. Rushing, scary. There was nothing you were going to do. It took us and the canoe floating in the water. We're just, just our heads are above water, and we're floating with this canoe. It dragged us along the rock wall and threw us back. All of that took about four or five more minutes maybe not four minutes. maybe two two minutes dragged us along came back slammed against the rock wall the same spot again and again and again and again and you there was nothing you could do you could try to swim all you want but the current was so hard that and I'm a good swimmer but you couldn't I couldn't fight it it was just so hard i counted 17 times that we went through that eddy. And right then and there, I thought to myself, I don't know if we're ever gonna get out of this alive. And at that moment, when you are close and you're at the point where your your life could be gone, you don't know and you don't have any power over anything that's the moment when you might think about your family who do you have at home think I might never see them again and you might think and I hope if you've had any interactions with God and your faith you think am I right with God and I prayed there and my grandfather and uncle and cousin had now landed across the river at the camp with the boat and they had a lifeline to try and get to us and the river was twice as wide as their lifeline their lifeline was 75 feet long and they threw it out and it didn't make it half the river nowhere near us so that was it there was no way for them to rescue us and there was no way for us to get out Except that poncho. The poncho was floating up around my neck in the water because it just sort of floated and it was right around my neck. The water, one time, the current caught it after at least 17 times we went through it, caught it and pulled me right underneath the water, sucked me right down to the bottom. And with that, and I was hanging on with all my might that force of that suction I pulled the canoe and my cousin out of the eddy at the same moment and they went right over my head I was deep enough and I remember going right to the bottom and touching the bottom and the current was just so strong And I was in a weird spot I remember looking up and seeing light way up high and thinking all I think was just don't breathe don't open your mouth and I wanted to in the worst way but I couldn't And I watched and said, well, that's it. And I don't remember until I popped up down the river a ways further. And when I popped up out of that river, I was in the main current stream and I spent the whole time, took me almost a half a mile to get across that river in that current. I remember my feet hit every rock And I just tried to push myself over six inches, six inches, a foot, another foot. Every one I hit, I'd try to push my way back and get over. And eventually, I did. Get out. I was close. God had something for me to do. A lot of things, apparently. But if you can learn to trust in God, even in those moments when you think it's close, When you're in a dark place, in a dark valley, and you walk through that, I will fear no evil. Whether you're struggling with something bad, or you're struggling with your own sin, you learn to be steady and to go back to God and say, I'm coming to you because you're the only place I got. Learn to be steady and learn to have faith. And when you learn those things, you come out on the other side being a stronger person. And being able to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, you with me, the whole way, regardless. Even if I died in that river that day, God was with me. He was with me. I didn't want to die that day, but if that was what God had, He was with me. And so, it would have been safely taken to the other side. By the way, I have since learned other people that year and within a year or two of that went to that same river and died. And so God's with you. You have to trust that he can take you. That's faith. And that's what walking through the valley of the shadow of death is. Fearing no evil. All right. Thank you very much.